Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about this next guest's money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'm so excited to have Vanessa Marshall here. Hello. Hello. It's been a while. <laughs> I we know. just figured it's uh, Nico's little birthday was the last That's time. That's right. Vanessa Marshall is an American actress, um, a voiceover artist, um, especially for the animated Star Wars series, Star Wars Rebels. That's correct. Um, she is the only child of actress Joan Van Ark. <laughs> and John Marshall, a reporter. Indeed. <laughs> and yes. I, I guess I should have said actress for Joan Van Ark for those sure. that don't yes, watch Valine, Dallas and Knott's Landing. And what are the odds? What yeah. are the odds? Oh, my God. Was she sad when uh, when Larry Hagman? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, she – and then I think she was on an episode of, of the most recent version of Dallas to sort of sum that up. Oh, wow. To put the period at the end of that sentence. So that was like sort of a bizarre reunion. Well, but, I hate uh, to date myself, but I freaking loved Dallas. Yeah. Oh, sure. And that whole – All of it. All of it. Yeah. My mom sense. just did a, a Valley of the Dolls reading uh, mm-hmm. at the Gay and Lesbian Center, and I was not in town. I missed it. Wow. I, I would have given anything to have been there. Oh, I man. mean, really. Wow. Ah, next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wow. So here you are. You're you're doing things. We met yep. at Acme Comedy Theater. Yes, sketch um, comedy. Sketch comedy. Yep. And I was just saying I, I remembered um I don't remember if it was your audition or if it was just one of the first pieces I, well, you we, presented. I was in the Sunday company and I believe you were in the Sunday company with mm-hmm. me for a minute. Yeah. Um, and it was a monologue that I had written, and it was based on a woman that I worked with at the newsroom restaurant here on Robertson when I just graduated from college. Uh, her name was uh, Letty, Leticia. Leticia. Yeah, and um, she was describing her uh, breakup with a guy, which is what she would do all day long while we were trying to work, which she was telling me these horror stories about men. But I put her in a cab on the way to LAX giving directions, you know, La Cienega to La Brea to La Tierra to whatever, and throwing all of the guy's belongings out the cab window as she drove by each venue. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so that that was the premise on, on that one. Yeah. Oh, no, my God. So how did you – so obviously you had – an actress for a mom, mm-hmm. so you already sort of knew the biz. Yeah. Was your mom excited when you said, I'm going into the biz? Um, yeah, I think I think she was excited. My first role that I ever played uh, was I played my mom as a child uh, on Knott's Landing. So, <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is a Landing. good story. Uh, oh well, she, she they, they could not find a young Valine Ewing, and so I said, hey, how you doing? And um, they taft heart lead me or whatever. Yeah, so it that's was right. one of those like miracle stories of getting a SAG card. And the director came up to me. They were all concerned that I wouldn't be able to cry. And the director <laughs> said, if you cry, I'll give you a Big Mac. And the minute he said, and action, I was sobbing. <laughs> like it was the end of the world. And at the end, they said, and cut. And then everyone got applauded and this and that and he gave me my Big Mac and everyone I was supremely talented I was just hungry Uh, (laughs) (laughs) what what did you do for a Big Mac bar oh yeah yeah, no so that was my first acting experience so and and Ironically, later I was discovered as a plus-size model, one who loves food that much. It, it could happen, you know, that they would be sort of large and lovely. Um, I've lost 70 pounds now, but that's another thing. But I remember they were saying like, no, you just have nothing behind your eyes. And the minute I started thinking about like Ruth's, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, you know, uh, filet smothered in onions or whatever, I'd get this look of 
love and joy oh. on my face, and they go, yes, yes, that's it, and click, click, click. So I don't know. The key to my success is uh, food, food imagery, something like that. But now I've found a way to be an athlete and and enjoy the food and and, be, and still have the love in your eye. Yeah, indeed. Yes. That's good. Well, I guess in animation you don't have to have as much love in the eye. No, but you do. It's strange the microphone does pick up uh the energy. energy. Yeah, it's really important to keep uh one's heart and soul clean uh because people won't know what they hear at the mic, mm-hmm. but it just has it just sounds unclean and they don't want it associated with their product. So yeah. I find the the best advice that I can give to anyone who is trying to get into voiceover is to work on themselves and uh, really their ideas of, of wealth and abundance and opportunity because uh, bringing that fear to the microphone, it's it's – you can smell it. You can smell it. And then when you bring the sort of love and light and energy of abundance, they can they can feel that as well. And they want that associated with their product. And it's this intangible essence that makes everyone unique. Everyone has their own version of that. So in that world, there is no competition. Right. There's enough for everyone. And, and uh, it's just – it's sort of a – a much better way to go about it. Yeah, no. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So when um so you started so you've done stand up, but yeah. if I remember correctly, <laughs> you actually used to work the door for a show that I produced mm-hmm. in the belly room yes. at the comedy store yeah. two hundred years ago. And um then you started doing stand up right. and um you're talking about being a plus yes, size model. That's right. And if I if I'm allowed to out you here, you um you started to remove pieces oh, of your Well, that's the thing. I I started doing uh, martial arts and as I did that, my weight started falling off. And uh, I was about 200 pounds when I was discovered as a plus size model and from doing the boxing, I just sort of became more right sized and athletic, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I've maintained that weight for years now since I don't know 2001, whatever that was. And um, uh, I I developed a fat suit that I would bring to jobs with me and I'd walk in and they'd say, no, you're too thin. And I'd say, just give me five minutes. And I'd go in the room and bring my fat pads and put them on and pad out to like a size 18. Um, and uh, I had veal cutlets, I call them, that were like these massive breasts and – uh, the fat pads were actually what uh, transvestites were using at the time to give themselves sort of curves. And so I, in my stand-up, I brought my sack of fat out, padded out to an 18, ate a few candy bars, handed out junk food to everybody for my career. And uh, and then by the end of it, would take the stuff off, of course, because, you know, I, we were done with that bit. Um but uh, yeah, that, that's what that was. Yeah, that was so funny. I was trying I to hold re- on to my career as much as possible, but uh, ultimately oh – well, well, did people find out and get mad at you for – No, they didn't give a sh- – as long as I looked the size right. that they needed in the clothes, they didn't really care. If it looked fake – I mean I could show you some pictures that are – like you can almost see like a scarf coming out of the bottom of the mom jean, <laughs> you know, where it's like, mm, that's a little suspect. Uh, but anyway mm. – yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, um, what um, in entertainment or just mm-hmm. anywhere? What was? Um, do you remember your first big check for doing something? Well, my first plus size modeling gig uh, that I booked, I, they flew me up to San Francisco and they paid me one thousand five hundred dollars. Wow! To be a large woman in front of a camera wearing clothes that I think anyone probably would have looked very large in, like mumus, for right. example. I love mumus. I, I don't know anyone who looks great in a mumu. I mean, it's sort of like whoa, you know. Um, but I couldn't believe how lucrative this was, that this was really a, a thing. Um, and I, at that time, I had been working, as I said, with Leticia uh, as a hostess right. and catering and making like 10 bucks an hour. And I couldn't feel my legs at the end of the day. 
And yeah. now, mind you, I had gone to Princeton and I majored in English. I wanted to write and this and that. And I was serving hush puppy corn fritters to my friends who were executives at Sony or wherever I was catering. And I, I don't have any shame about that. But it's just like to go from earning that kind of a living to someone giving you $1,500 for j literally just standing in front of a camera and, and figuring out that if I think about junk food, I look prettier. Um, that's worth $1,500. That's insane. Sweet. Uh, which is why I built a fat suit around maintaining that career. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but, absolutely. Uh, but then uh, voiceover took over and, and that was uh, uh, lucrative and, and I was able to sort of let go of the modeling and, and that happened as well. Wow. Yeah. Do, um, when you were growing up, so you said your mom got fame and maybe you told me this earlier, but um, yeah. your mom got fame sort of midway in your childhood? Yes. I was 10 years old when she got the role of Valine on uh, Dallas mm -hmm. and then they decided to do a spinoff series, Knott's Landing, and that was on the air for 13 years. Yeah. And so it was a network television show. She was a household name. Yeah. And we had – I can remember they said, uh, do you want to go to London for Christmas? And um, that's a yes. And uh, <laughs> they were giving us three first-class tickets. Now, my parents – I'll just digress for one second. They uh, met in Boulder High School, uh, you know, middle class, didn't really come from much and, you know, built – you know, careers for themselves. My dad uh, is an Emmy award-winning TV news reporter and my mom, you know, got a full scholarship to Yale Drama and was acting on Broadway and now cut to she's, you know, doing all this stuff for 13 years on Knott's Landing. And um, they are offering her lifestyle of the rich and famous, um, you know, uh, trips to England and Gestad and all these strange places. So I ended up going on these places that we would never no. Afford. We would never think, oh, yes, I'd, I'd love to go to Switzerland. What? Yeah. No. And I can remember sitting at the 12-star restaurant or whatever it was and my mom whispering like, which fork do I use? <laughs> and I, and I, all I knew was like go from the outside in. Smart. But That's exactly What do I know? I mean right. I was making it up as I went along too. But I just – I knew that this was sort of put on um, and uh, and that's sort of what happens when someone is like sort of newly discovered and on a hit TV show for 13 years. Yeah. So we – it was very, very different than the first 10 years of my life. Uh, so – and it was that true financially too, like oh, all yeah. of a sudden, like all definitely, and you like oh today we're having porridge, tonight we're having lobster. I mean, it well, was pretty much yeah. I mean, my parents have never been jerks about it. Like oh, let's eat lobster and be asshole. You know, like they we they were always humble and grateful yeah. and sort of never left the mindset. If anything, like it would have behooved my mom to get current with herself and see like wow, I've created this much abundance for myself. I can enjoy it. Right. Rather than, oh, this is going to end any minute. Uh, you know, how do I keep these plates spinning? How do I fool the world that that this right. is really my destiny? Or you know, that sort of mm -hmm. fear-based ideology mm -hmm. that um, you know, uh, I think uh, as someone who's done voiceover successfully, I, I started in '97. I think it was. Yeah, I, I got signed at my voiceover agency in '97, um, and I've seen it happen where people have sort of a streak of good luck. And then things sort of slow down, which is it's it's always cyclical. It's yeah, not personal. Absolutely. And I see them really just go down that emotional toilet bowl where they drown themselves in negativity, worry, fear. And rather than, like I said earlier, work on themselves and sort of maybe go be of service somewhere, go 
uh, go to, uh, you know, um, an AIDS wing of a hospital and, and donate time and, and care and, and nurturing to someone who is literally, you know, on death's door. Right. That's going to bring a, a quality of life to one's uh, well-being, uh, a sense of gratitude that, that makes a more well-rounded life than just how many pieces of copy am I reading? Like that's just not – that's intrinsically uninteresting. So, right. um, you know, I, I – am always looking to learn. I take classes all the time. I, I, I love to read. I love – I find that many of the successful people in voiceover, they either are stand-up comics, singers, or they are these autodidacts. They teach themselves everything. Andrew Cascino, my ex-husband, has taught himself literally everything. The guy is an immensa. He is immensa. But people who are sort of gregarious and outgoing and willing to try new things, they seem to do really well with voiceover. Uh and uh, so I didn't want to sort of go that route that I watched my mom go because mm-hmm. it was gangbusters and then suddenly there was no more knots landing and she had a lot more time to go running. And I'm not saying that she was not successful, but if one defines one's worth by what they're doing and you're waiting for the phone to ring and therefore if you're not doing anything, you're worth nothing, Right. that's going to be a recipe for the cyclical yeah, demise abs- that I that I just described. And so – Everyone is responsible for their own joy, and I and I think that that feeds into what they attract, and um, you know that's no one else's job but our own. And and it's funny how when we take care of ourselves in that way, that that fun things come along. Yeah, you know. So that I don't know if I've had the luxury to experience that, mm-hmm. given that my mom did so well, and I suddenly had money growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I shop at Target, and like, I'm not a weird. I'm not. I'm, I'm really basic. Like, I drive a Chevy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not. I'm not like some la di da person. Intrinsically, I'm very uh, basic, uh, and so I don't know that I've ever. I didn't. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth and become a jerk. Right. We had luxury. I was grateful for it, but I didn't define myself by it. And I'm creative enough to find uh, happiness in the most simple of things. And I I think that creates less pressure to create more wealth. And do you think most of that came from seeing your mom? Or do you think – I mean were there other things? Obviously they uh, came from middle class so you had some grounded roots. But yeah. especially in LA, it's hard to stay grounded. A it, lot of people very, – it's very hard. Very hard. Very hard. Very hard. Um, I don't know what that is. I, I'm not really sure. Uh I spent a lot of time with my family in Colorado um, and that's where my parents are originally from mm-hmm. and um, they are are such simple, good people. Like I always – I often think like, well, what would they do in this situation? And they just wouldn't worry about half the crap that we are mm-hmm. concerned about in LA, truly. Right. I mean <laughs> I used to say to my friends like – I'm like a, a seven in Los Angeles, but like in Boulder, I'm a fucking 11. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm a rock star in Boulder. I mean I could just cut this popsicle joint and, you know, go work at a Dairy Queen. I'd be like a rock star, man. Yeah. You know, I, um, and I'm not denigrating Boulder, Colorado, but I'm saying like we care about some of the strangest things here. And We do. You know, there I, I have intrinsic worth that goes beyond those things and I know that and it might be from having spent a lot of time with some really cool people who, who value more than just the – those things. Well, I do. Th- I mean, I definitely think LA is a little bit of a bubble. Yeah, it's not a real. Um, it's not real. Rea- it's not real. 
Yeah. In some ways. Yeah, sure. And I have lots of amazing friends and there's lots of amazing pockets of people in L.A. So yeah. for sure that is Definitely. here. Yeah. Um, and I think there's – but the industry yeah. sort of creates this false expectation. Yeah. You know, I remember I had a I, – I joke about a client who their show got canceled and they're like – and they were making, you know, 95000 an episode. And they're Jeez. like, oh, the spinoff, they offered me thirty. I'm not taking that. I was oh. like, oh, wow. So you must be getting lots of $90,000 per yeah, episode see, offers, you know. And it's That's what I'm talking about. Like, I, I see that even in the world of voiceover. Like, well, I won't work for any less than double scale. And I'm like, uh, reading English out loud? I'm going to do that <laughs> for scale. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And a like, Big Mac. <laughs> oh, dude. I, I just remember working – Hours and hours and hours just to make ten dollars, and you know scale is that's a good amount of money to read a sentence. Like, are you serious? But people get these ideas that they have quotes. This is my quote. Like, I make I, I see it happen more with on camera people who come into voiceover. I'm not I'm not discerning in that way. I, I right. and I but I think it adds up over time. I'm not I know what I'm worth. I, I don't mean to say like, oh, I'll work for anything. Right. But I am trying to work with producers who, if they can't afford double scale, I'd rather tell a story and have a good time mm-hmm. and maybe be hired again when they get some crazy thing and can afford double scale rather than sort of, uh, you know, sit back and reject stuff. I mean, I've rejected a couple things. There, mm-hmm. uh, Things about serial killers and, and yeah. stuff like that, like I can't. I just can't get behind and I think you can tell in my read. I, I that stuff just drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm trying to believe people are intrinsically good and Yeah, that's and a good thing to believe. Reading that kind of makes it uh, difficult. So yeah. I, I pass on those things, but I don't pass like, ooh, it's beneath me. I pass like if I read this, you'll know that I hate this crap. So Right. No, that yeah. makes sense. What would you say is your um like your best big expense investment? Like that you bought something that was a lot of money and you like that was the best money I ever spent. Uh, well, gosh, um, I mean, I I own a home, mm-hmm. and um, I think I'm more um, sort of emotionally suited for a, an apartment lifestyle because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'd rather have someone else come and fix things. Yeah, you know what That's I mean. Sort and of just a pain sort when of, you own a house. Well, yeah, there's a lot of responsibility and whatever, but um, but I'm grateful because it makes me feel like I'm adulting and and you know it's sort of an accomplishment of sorts. So there's equity in in the place and and sometimes I I look at it and I'm like, yeah, you know this this may pan out for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> I might but, make adulthood out after all. Yeah, but I'm trying to think like uh, something that well, you, uh, well, you know you what pay, I you, I love travel. Travel's amazing. Yeah, and and uh, sometimes, well, I do have credit cards that that earn miles so that I can go on trips because I'm always looking for a bargain, you know. Um, but but uh, I remember, uh, I think it was maybe ten years ago. I was really sad, and I knew if I went to England, I would feel better. I just love <laughs> it over there. I, I, I did my DNA. Is it the gray skies or the delicious? You know food? what? Here, here's here's what's really strange. A little. The, parenthetical story um my dad's italian and my mom's dutch uh i did my dna ancestry because my mom's grandmother my great grandmother was adopted and i saw that her last name was cohen c-o-h-n there was no e so but i was like if we're jewish my entire christian family in uh colorado 
will find that interesting. I was like, if we're a member of the tribe, like they they're they're hardcore Christian, right? And um, so I thought, well, I'll I'll do this research. It turns out I'm 84 percent British. Oh wow! And my whole house, there's Union Jacks everywhere, like little red buses, and this and that, and the Piccadilly, whatever. My and now my mom did do a play in London. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I said to my mom, I was like, look, I'm not going to tell dad or anything, but uh, yeah, who's my dad? I mean, seriously. Yeah, really? Like, is he just some <laughs> British dude in a pub somewhere <laughs> in the West End? I'm, I don't know. But I've been I've been going to England for years and years, and oh. I feel at home there. I know I know where everything is. It's the most bizarre thing. And then to find out genetically I'm 84 percent British, I was like, well, there you have it. Um, so uh, for some reason when I invest in a trip, there, I feel like it's money well spent because I think cool. it feeds my soul, which then feeds my career in a way that is priceless. So I, yeah, and so as I was listening to you, and you're talking about abundance and things. So, so mm-hmm. a lot of people would say abundance is seven million dollars in my bank account, six cars, and I get a sense that abundance isn't defined that way for you. Could you just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I I feel like abundance is being happy with what is. Mm-hmm. And it creates more. Um, I I had a period, a cyclical period, where I was not booking or certain things had gone away. And I remembered a friend of mine saying, rather than focusing on what I don't have, I'm grateful for what I have. Mm. And the minute I started counting my blessings and saying, you know, I'm really grateful for this. I'm grateful I've done that. Everything started multiplying all over the place. And I realized, like, you know what? I have to start with what is rather than looking – for what's not in the room yet. Yeah. And with those things I felt like I have an abundant life already. I don't I don't need much. Like I'm I'm great. Now, the pressure of bills and you know, I've played the lottery. I I'm dying to play the lottery and buy Catherine our, our mutual friend Catherine a home. Um uh, that's my sweet. that that is my goal. I, every time I go in and get the ticket, I'm like, look, this isn't even for me. So can we just do this? Can Come we on. just do this? Can we just do this? Yeah. Like if I could pay off my parents' home, if I could get Catherine mm-hmm. a home, you know, pay off my mortgage, like those things. Like, I, I in some fantasy world, I don't even know what that would accomplish truly, because right. there's there's always the existential ennui that that everyone experiences, regardless of what's in the bank, and it's never enough for right. anyone. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't think I I have sort of like a a number amount that like once I get there, I'll be fine. I, yeah. I feel like I'm already fine, and the fact yeah. that I could downsize and be totally happy, yeah, is a great comfort. Yeah, absolutely. Do you travel? So you talk about travel. Do mm-hmm. you like for me, um, I mostly travel to developing countries mm-hmm. um, because it teach me, teaches me a lot of appreciation because totally. I think I was probably a little money obsessed at one point. Um, and I was so amazed that people there were just really interested in family yeah, and having exactly. a laugh. Yeah. And I kept going, but you don't have a lot of money. And mm. like, you know, and I, and Interesting, so yeah. I'm wondering, and I was talking to some people the other day, we we're talking about how they realize most people compare themselves with the people up instead of mm. comparing with the people down. Mm. And I know when I travel to developing countries and I see people with not a whole lot, yeah. I'm, much more extremely grateful yeah. than sitting in a mansion and going, oh, I don't have three Lear jets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I don't know how it is for you when you travel. Well, you know, I feel very nomadic when I travel. I, I'm an only child. I'm, I'm on my own a lot. And I love to walk and, and learn and look at things. I go to museums. I go out dancing by myself late at night. Uh, no one talks to me. I, I don't know. I just am sort of seeing the world and experiencing things on a sort of a – 
anthropological, cultural level, and I guess that includes socioeconomic realities, and I witness those as well. But um, I don't necessarily seek them out, um, you know, to sort of compare myself to. Mm-hmm. I kind of get a, a well-rounded view yeah. of of the whole city wherever it is. I'm more of a, an urban vacation person than – I don't really want to sit on a beach chair somewhere. That sounds horrible to me. Oh, yeah. No. I, I'm agreed. I, Let's I'd go rather, lay by the water uh, for two weeks and drink a margarita. I'd rather die. Um, that sounds horrible. What will we do? What will we do? I mean, look, maybe I need to work on sitting still and just chilling out. <laughs> I, 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 I admit that. But yeah. it's it's um, stimulating to me to just walk around and discover the day. Like, where am I going to end up? You know, Paris is great for that. London's great mm-hmm. for that. Um, I did go to Bali once for this retreat that I thought I was going to be studying Balinese mask work and theater and this and that. And it, it turned out to be quite strange. But um, <laughs> yeah, very strange. But um, but I did see a lot of what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're sort of rabid dogs running around and uh, people who were uh, very grateful for the simplest things and always smiling and happy. And, yeah. you know, there is a sense of like, wow, how how could I – sit somewhere in Sherman Oaks and wonder why someone has two bagels and I have one or, you know, like whatever the hell we do over here. Right. Um, it does seem banal and ridiculous. Uh, but um, but I, I don't know that I necessarily seek out those kinds of vacations, but that's a great idea. Well, know? I mean, I don't go to compare. I just, I realize they have such a yeah. different value system that sure, it really sure, sure. helped me to absolutely reevaluate and recalibrate yeah. what was important to that me. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Does, yeah. Do you think um, – and so in terms of – so there's the traveling, which is one mm-hmm. way to see how other people live mm-hmm. and and see our abundance. What about social media? Does that – like I'm – you know, there's so much on social media that says, look at me. Look uh, at my amazing life, which I yeah. always think is a projection or a posturing. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering how – and if you're uh, impacted by social media. Yeah, sometimes. I, I try to remind myself that – you know, while there are, there are darker elements with social media, one of the great things that I can do rather than comparing is lift my friends up. Right. I get on there. If I start comparing, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate what this person's doing. And I'll do that. I'll say, hey, check this out. Hey, guys, my friend's doing this, a storytelling workshop. Check this out. If I can get on there and lift people up rather than I guess it's the same idea of like looking at the person in the mansion and then, you know, wondering where's mine or or whatever it is, rather sort of saying celebrating, you know, what other people are happen to be succeeding in. I feel like that's sort of a better use of my time. I'm not going to lie. There are some times when I see these posts and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Like what what have I done? You know? I think that that's the danger yeah. of, of social media. And I have a lot of friends who have gotten off of it because it's just a recipe for self-loathing at times. Yeah. And it, it can make a, a person like having a wonderful day just think like, oh, well, I should just give it all up, you know, or, or whatever it is. And so that's when I try to like quickly follow that thought up with like, well, how can I celebrate what my friends are, are doing well in or, or whatever to, again, just keep that positive energy yeah. going. You know? No, that makes sense. Well, there, you know, it's funny. I've started noticing on social media um, where people are doing great acts of kindness while they record themselves. Oh, dear. And I'm thinking. Yeah, dude. Like, did you. Come on. Oh, wait. There's a person that's like the one I just saw was a guy walking in the cold and this guy decides to randomly offer him a ride as he's filming himself, pull over the car. And it, I'm, I'm 
somehow that had to be somewhat staged yeah. or like and i don't know if i'm doing a good deed i'm not sure yeah. that i want to have no. a selfie as no. i'm walking look at now i'm going to do a really good thing and now i'm doing the extra good thing that's ridiculous so i just i, I don't, don't know even that. that now i'm like a little yeah. bit uh yeah uh, yeah i don't want to say bitter but i'm a little no i know yeah wary sure yeah hmm. yeah 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 i i, I think yeah yeah. Weird. Well, I mean, I, I see that in advertising. I see yeah. Honda, you know, the helpful Honda person. Which that I turn off the TV every time that commercial comes on. Well, I, I see what I, I I see what they're doing, and I and I get that if people feel like they matter, right? That 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 will create brand loyalty till the mm-hmm. end of time, and so it's a great strategy. Um, but again, it's a little like filming you. We just help it, twenty people. Look at us. How yeah. it just feels a little uh, well, contrived. Well, I mean, it it. I mean. I think their heart's in the right place. And yeah. I've, I've done Honda commercials and I know that they really do care. And that is a cool thing about that company in particular, right. that they, they do actually help people. And it's great that they lead with that. And there are uh, sort of ethical companies that, that are yeah. not kidding about it. They really mean it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen some of the Blue Cross commercials, uh, the definition of blue, like what is and what isn't. Uh, yeah. That they go out on a limb and say, you know uh, – Kids in Mylar on the border is not okay. That's not blue. Right. Um, kids with their families, that's blue. Um, uh, two men kissing each other, that's blue. I mean, right. that's that's a company taking a stand. It definitely is. Yeah. So so sometimes I feel like they they are putting their money where their mouth is, and I right. I admire that. But but there is uh, I it, it I don't know when when it goes too far, it it is a little. Um, uh, Contrived, like yeah. you said, yeah. Are there any um, causes that you support? Well, um, I support uh, a few. There's one called Step Up. It's an organization that helps young girls um, get internships, and uh, they help them with their college applications. And um, it's uh, it's they sort of help girls in marginalized communities that wouldn't otherwise uh, have sort of career advice and help. And I don't have any kids, and so I feel like it's a way that I can give back to young women. Um, I help with their social media stuff, and um, you know, because it's funny. I did the mentor day, and the girls were like, "Well, I don't understand. You play an African American boy on a cartoon. Like, how is that going to help me?" And I looked at them, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't. I don't really know that I can. Um, maybe you should talk to the fashion designers and the bankers and the realtors who are in the room who can actually give you a job, right? You know, because what do you, what am I going to tell them? Like, work on your heart, and you know, you can like, you can do anything. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm not the best mentor. I mean, I'm I'm a great cheerleader, and I'm I'm a huge support to these women, and I'll help them with all their college entrance essays and so on. But like, I realized I'm not. I don't. What I have is like I've been really lucky, and I'm a good person, and I I care about my career, but I don't know how to pay that forward in a way that um, I could mentor a, a young girl in that capacity. So I guess I'm there to help the and and the executives, the Hollywood executives who hire these girls as interns, and then they they go on to have wonderful positions in the in the business, and they really do pay it forward. If I can support that. Right. Happening. Then that's that's my place. And I love social media stuff. Again, lifting people up. So yeah. that's a way that I can contribute that feels like I'm actually benefiting them. Because no. <laughs> the girls are like, you're really cool, but. Um, but you're not going to help me. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not really. real. Yeah. And their parents are like, don't hang with the voiceover lady. Like, yeah. that, we don't want you to be a voiceover person. That's not know? a real job. That's exactly right. It's not yeah. real. Reading English out loud. No. Mm. Yeah. Hey, but, but there's a lot of people that can't read English. No. Well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to denigrate 
uh, voiceover, but but it is a matter of of really being in the right place at the right time, right. and it's uh, very mercurial and 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 like I said, it, it does come in waves, so it's not necessarily the most secure thing to pursue, and uh, you know anyway. But uh, yeah, yeah, that that's one. Um, and uh, women for women is another one. Cool. Um, I donate and I sponsor a few women. Cool. Um, but uh, mostly those are those are the causes. Uh, cool. For for uh, oh, and SOS children. Um, it's for kids in sort of war torn countries. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like kids and ladies trying to help. They need a little bit of help. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> kids and ladies first. Got it. Got to got to tie them, pay it forward. So absolutely. Well, let mm-hmm. me ask you this: completely unrelated. Um, uh-huh. We were talking about money before. What is um, what's a comfortable level for your bank balance to be at? Like. Okay. Uh, you know, like some people, it's oh, it's not overdrawn, <laughs> um, which was mine at one point. Yeah. Um, you know, is there a level where you can go, okay, I'm okay right now, or uh, it's um, getting a little low? Well, I usually i've I've been very aggressive with my savings, cool. and uh, I have a four hundred one k that I've set up for myself, and um, so I I feel pretty secure and don't really get into the minutia of. Great. Oh no! You know, if I start thinking in those terms, I mm-hmm. get stymied and and feel uh, pressure again. Um, I I just trust that it's all going to sort of uh, be okay, and that that makes me feel better. Because if I get again, if I get into that financial fear, right, it's not sexy. It doesn't sound good. No, and, and you can take yourself out real quick. Yeah, man, it, real it's, quick. It's the truth, and um, so I focus on other things that I'm grateful for. If it's running a little lower and then it seems to pipe back up again. So yeah. um yeah, I, I lately I've found that listening to music aggressively, like feel good music, mm-hmm. really helps foster abundance. Sweet. Because if I'm singing a song all day long sort of internally, there's a there's a joy and a, sort of a bubbly spirit that I I hope that I bring into every room I you know where people are like, "Oh, what a delight." That's what I'd love, you know, when people talk about Henry Winkler and some of these actors who are sort of generous of spirit and really caring and kind, that's the thumbprint that I want to leave on the world. And and if I've done that, I, for some reason, lately music has been really helpful. No, <laughs> it's that's funny. great. Different things work at different times. Hey, but, no. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What would you um, – like what is a um, – in your – like in this current – life that you're living uh-huh. what is a way that you a, a financial tip like how you save money or is there anything that you do like uh, oh like a strategy well i definitely i have uh credit cards with miles and okay. uh and i definitely i use i use them okay um so that even if i'm spending money for i, I have a production company uh, that i created with my ex-husband it's called marsh kish productions incorporated and um the 401k is through that but um, so I have a, a business card and whatever. But so I I make sure that there's like work life balance that that there's fun to be had. But I love having fun for free. Cool. Um, and uh, I belong to a couple of websites that have sort of designer clothes that go on sale and this and that. So when I have these red carpet things, if I can score a dress on one of those sites that's like six hundred dollars off, it is the sweetest victory known to man. <laughs> Like so that when when people are like oh my god that dress is so great you know I'm like I got it seven thousand dollars or whatever you know um, right they're 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 just I I like to save money like I yeah. Gelson's is a great 
a supermarket here in Los Angeles, and they send these $5 coupons in the mail. I, I cut them out, and I use them. I'm like, you're damn right. $5 is $5. It is. You know, and I hand it out, and I feel like that's my that's my boar's head turkey for the day. You that's know what I mean? Or, yeah. Um, so – yeah, I like I like a good deal. I like finding Chip Chinnery's um, email that he sends. Yeah, Chip is it, great. I just Chip's had Chip awesome. on here a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, I ran into him, um, and uh, right. he he. I get his email with with little pointers. It's always fun to learn. Um, yeah. uh, you know, like because why? I realize I when I first was successful in voiceover, I I wasn't really keeping track of my money, and I was buying everyone everything, and you know that's not a good thing to do because you're enabling people to to not discover their own wealth. I mean, it's good to give back, but if you're buying dinner for someone every single time you guys get together, like come on, dude, that's an illness. Like right, you know, right. it's it's it, it should it should be equal and I've learned how to um, you know, scale things back. I for a while I was driving a Mercedes. I don't even know why. I don't value that. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but in the last year or so, I've really cut my expenses down. Um, just to bring up my comfort level and hence the Chevy and um, I restructured my um, uh, insurance policies, uh, homeowners and this and that and I'm saving like 3000 a year. There are just little things that one can do and it's not like we have time to do any of this crap. Right. But once in a while you get that minute of, you know what, I could actually save $10 a month on my uh, you know, internet bill. Why don't I just make that call? And it's a really nice feeling. It feels like self-care and uh, parenting in, in a way. And then yeah. I can take that money and put it away for my future and that also alleviates, uh, alleviates anxiety. So I just saved $130 a month on my cable bill, my cable. And- Do you feel like a king? I, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of. Yeah. Kind of. It's like I knock them down one at a time and I just am like, you know, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, like I have a food budget. I know what my food budget is every month and I know when I blow it and it's usually presents for people or that's that's my weakness is is getting stuff for for other people, which I don't know. Like which I, I don't think is such a bad thing. No, but you can really mow through your cash. Like you can. at a certain point you could ask yourself a couple questions. One, do you have enough self-esteem to trust that you don't need to buy people shit? There's one there's that. Right. Two, are you trying to control them by buying them things, looking right. altruistic and kind, but you're really you're really buying they're never abandoning you. And guess yeah. what? They're human, they're going to, and then you feel ripped off. Like what's that about? And you have to chase them down and beat them. So it's always, you know. here's the thing, like I know when I'm doing it for fun and for free, mm-hmm. and that's that's healthy. And when there's a an agenda behind it, I'm like, dude, would you knock that off? And right. and then I save money and it's better for everybody, you know. So all right. Uh, well, I'm gonna, one last question. Sure. Um, I mean, I feel like you're you're pretty grounded. You got a lot of things going <laughs> on. I love that. Um, is there anything that you would go back and tell a younger version of yourself, knowing what you know now? Is there something that you would have gone back and said, "Hey, watch out for this," or "Be sure to do this"? Is there anything that you might tell yourself, younger version? I, uh, you know, I would definitely say. Um, Pursue your joy, which sounds sort of strange, but I, I mean, I've kind of been saying that all day. But yeah. um, I, I guess you know, as one goes along, we take certain actions, and then you gain evidence that oh, okay, that way of living actually does work. I would let them know it really does work, so stop worrying about it. Yeah, you know, um, and um, but I guess people don't believe things until they see them. Um, but 
I'm I'm trying to trust. The word for this month is trust. Cool. And um, just free falling into the discovery of what's next. Like it just makes it so much more fun. Yeah. You know. Um, I would I would definitely tell my younger self not to worry. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I love it. Well, gosh, yeah. Vanessa. Oh, it's so good to see so you. It's so good to, to catch too. up. We'll thank have to you do for, it. Thank oh. you for all you do. I'm so grateful that you're doing this because I'll just say this. Growing up, so so often I would hear like, never talk about money. Right. You don't talk about details. Like, what are you doing? Like, blah, it's, it's classless and vile and this no. and that. And we can really help one another celebrate. There's no There's no reason that spirituality has to be divorced. Like, you don't have to be some spartan you can enjoy things and and live well and and be completely spiritual at the same time and i no. just I, I love what you're doing and i i, I celebrate you so there's well, that thank you i i just really want to really help people take away the stigma and the shame yeah. Yeah. of not having the download and right. not knowing how to do it because right. none of us got the download no and we're all just trying to figure it out yeah and the more we can share it doesn't take yeah i agree it doesn't take away from spirituality it doesn't Mm-mm. take away from compassion Mm-mm. and for me the more i can have my finances, my finances together, the more that I'm able to actually go out and help other people yeah. and, 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 and have an impact in that way. You know, I will say one thing, uh, and I'll, I don't want to run over, but um, I cut myself off from my parents in uh, 1995 because I felt like I would never grow if, if I – you're sort of hamstrung at, mm-hmm. when, they, when they pay for everything. You can't really say the truth if they're – because it's the hardest way to earn money. I cut myself off and my plan was I'm going to get seven credit cards and get Bank of America to be my father. Right. Fuck it, you know? And I, but I racked up a ton of debt, and my friend said, uh, have you checked the in- interest rates interest on those rates. things? I was like, what do you, no, what are you talking about? So I paid off all that debt. Wow. And the minute I took responsibility for that debt, and, and I don't spend money that I don't have no matter what, the minute I did that, it multiplied like three times over. Wow. So I just, you know, I will say that was one... Um, and as far as my financial uh, education goes, yeah. learning that, you know, like just putting it on a card is not the the, the plan. It's not a good um, plan and no, it's not free. No. And so I just – I try I, – I mean I have not debt since then and, and I really try to live in what I have and make it work. So that I, I recommend that highly. Forgot about that. <laughs> no, that's totally cool. <laughs> that was a big pivotal moment for me to just sort of take responsibility for myself um, and, and really grow up. Yeah, no. that's so cool. Yeah. That's anyway, so, cool. so thank you for having me. No, gosh. Me. Well, thank you. Where can people find you on social media? <laughs> All right. So on Twitter, on Twitter, I'm at Van Marshall, V-A-N Marshall. And then on Instagram, I'm at Vanessa Marshall 1138 because some lovely woman is at Van Marshall on Instagram. And, How and dare she? She's got brown hair. She looks really sweet. Hello, whoever you are at Van Marshall on, Give on, it up. on Instagram. I know. I'd love to have it both. But um, on Instagram, I'm Vanessa Marshall 1138. Uh, 1138 as an ode to George Lucas. Um, and uh, on Facebook, there's a, a fan page. But come say hi, and uh, we can we can all be abundant together. <laughs> that sounds great. Oh, it's so great to have you. Um, don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. For more stories, podcast episodes, financial tools, and upcoming seminars, be sure to visit The Money Nerve. And if you need a laugh, please come on down to the world-famous Comedy Store, where it's the hottest club in the country. Uh, Until next time. 